give me a goddamn hell yeah. It's Force of Philip on the track, and we got a special treat today featuring on the track with me is my man, me the captain. Me the captain, what it do? So you see, we've been getting done dirty by Rite of Flame as of late, so we figured it's time we done did it dirty back. Let's go. When we light up the stage, it's right of flame you be casting. We were dumb and naive to think the worst that could happen was a couple sloppy goblins bombarding the red zone like hard and after we guzzled the dozen donuts, cardiac problem. How's a diet dog ritual gonna help you cash in? If GPs taught us one thing, this ain't we watches the gathering. Fully flavored, fully loaded, sauce it up, get messy. Slather up the graveyard, make it sweet, stick it zesty. Gluttony the game, right of flame, plays for keeps. Watsy be on fire with their band hammer streak. Adding right of flame to the pyre is nonsense, but this is right of fire design. So banning good conscience, cast one, double up, hat trick, flexing quad, single mana, seething songs like my angels, bless the top. Right of flame's dominant regardless of meta. The way culture wars the GOP's agenda. It don't apologize for not paying taxes. It doubles down and repeals the ban alliance and practice. Always lucky, never punished. That's what stone pilots do. Mile high club is screwing you too. Petals with right of flame is blasphemous. The game shouldn't be environmentally hazardous. The carpet of flowers already fill in the holes, except not if the islands are plains or mountains. Unless they're dyslexic This ain't 2012, it's 2021 and it's hectic Every card's got 10 yards of text like the scripture Right of flame takes the game's image, big picture While we quarantine in the midst of pandemic It's tough to send pizza or post signs at your entrance You could be our heroes by boosting morale Just ban right of flame like wishing for a card in exile Oh no Oh don't, oh, don't do that actually Cause you'll get DQ'd But you could stop global warming and save these fucking dolphins if you just ban Rider of Flame. Ban Rider of Flame, save the dolphins. Hashtag ban Rider of Flame, hashtag save the dolphins. Let's go. Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark. And with me this week, special guest, Brian Cook. Brian, how are you doing, man? Pretty good. I was told that you wanted to replace Phil Blackman, and I couldn't wait to jump at the opportunity. So happy <laughs> to be here. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, Phil. Sorry, Phil. If you're finding out right now about this, it's just, uh, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, with me as always, Brian Cook, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks uh, for having me, Zach. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Phil's out this week. Uh, he's doing some traveling. Uh, I did some traveling this weekend as well. Uh, and uh, Brian was gracious enough to uh, to come in at the last minute uh, as I got back in uh, to record this. So we'll be dropping this a little bit later on Monday. But uh, you, everyone, get everyone will still get our weekly podcast, which is great. So I really appreciate it, Brian. Yeah, of course. Uh, of course, uh, we all know uh, Brian Cook from the Epic Storm 
and from the Eternal Glory podcast. Uh, I'm probably missing like several other accolades if you want to fill in any blanks. Uh, I'm just the guy that plays magic and sometimes <laughs> I record it. That's pretty much yeah. it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, you're kind of the the uh, player we all know uh, the most well for uh, uh, tossing down lion's eye diamonds, uh, which is a uh, vastly different experience than uh, than the way Phil uh, Phil Blackman and I play. Phil was actually a lion's eye diamond gamer when I first met. Well, he, okay, he so was, Phil yeah. used to be a Yu-Gi-Oh guy, and then Phil traded his Yu-Gi-Oh cards at our local game store and was like, "Oh, I'm friends with all these guys that play Storm. I should play Storm." <laughs> And then we watched Phil do it, and it just oh, wasn't, it wasn't for him. We'll, we'll say that. <laughs> and then Phil sold all the Storm cards fairly quickly afterwards. Yeah, uh, one of the stories we love to tell on, on the cast is one of the first times that, like, Phil and I kind of, like, game recognizes game on each other was 2014 uh, GP Richmond. Uh, we were both playing Blue Red Storm in that modern in that modern Grand Prix. Uh, notable Grand Prix uh, for the guy who did, like, the, the like, uh, photos of people's butt cracks. Uh, mm-hmm. That's how you'll remember that GP. But it was uh, Phil Blackman and I matched up in like the very last round of Swiss uh, when it no longer mattered. And uh, I just I just eked out a win on him. So I guess I'll embarrass myself. What what better way to be on this podcast? Right. I had met Phil playing at our local game store and we were friends. And before he became like a TES guy or maybe it was shortly after it's one of those. But he was a Merfolk player for a while. And we got paired at SCG Philly in Legacy. And I had known Phil, but we weren't really good friends yet. I go, Phil, I just finished my last match. I'm going to shit my pants. He goes, Brent, go to the bathroom. And I was like, will you watch my stuff? And he's like, yeah, I'll watch your stuff. I was gone for like 25 minutes. I was very inconsiderate. I don't know what I had to eat the night before, but it wasn't sitting well. And when I came back, he's like, are you ready to play Magic Tom? I'm like, yeah, you're going to chill me. You're on Murderfolk. I can't win this matchup anyway. Like, congratulations, Phil. And then I don't know what happened, but I chewed Phil and I just felt so bad that he had this like freebie matchup and I just like left for half an hour. You're like, I only need 10 minutes to win. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the judges knew Uh, you get like time extensions or whatever, but uh, yeah. yeah. There you have a poop story. Yeah, I nice. Enjoy that's your a, that's that's I, I gotta I gotta be honest. It's probably not the first one of those uh, we've had. On <laughs> I am uh, I am famously incontinent. So <laughs> one of the things I wanted to I want to talk about one the Eternal Glory podcast. Uh, we uh, I I just got done listening since I was on the train. Uh, I I wanted to tune into the last episode talking about how to get into legacy. And I think uh, as a community. Uh, uh, as a whole, we've kind of all been pondering ways to get uh, new blood into the format. And I think that's that that podcast is a really great place to start uh, as far as like, you know, a resource to get people uh, into the game. I'm glad you think so. Uh, I wish I could take credit. A majority of those show notes were done by Phil Gallagher. I, I did add like maybe a third, but a lot of that was him. But I think one of the nice things that the three of us do is Honestly, we could have zero show notes or we could just hop into a call and just have a great conversation and bounce off each other. So like usually we have a rough outline. And other than that, it's just all three of us enjoy each other's company and we have a good give. We have a good take, I think, a given flow. Yeah, I have to say, uh, you, I I rarely get a chance to listen to other to other content because you're con- like as a content maker, you're just constantly like trying to produce content. So getting a chance to listen to other people's content is important but not always something you get time for. I, I have to say how how incredibly polished the the podcast sounds as opposed to 
this this podcast where it's basically me and Phil Bleckman just talking over each other constantly. Well, for those of you that don't know, Phil Bleckman is actually our editor for Eternal yeah. Glory. So props to Phil. Phil's an amazing person. Uh, I believe you can hire him for your podcast if you're listening. He does other people's as well. He really does a great job. The the angles that you guys took to to talk about like how to get into how to get into legacy beyond just like hey this this format costs a lot of money. Here's how you should here's how you should get in. You guys gave a really good idea of like. Here are the decks that you can play. And even though, like, you know, uh, one, one of the great examples you guys gave was, like, even though Death and Taxes has no reserve list cards in it, uh, it is a very punishing deck to start the start the format with. And there are other options as well that, while they might cost you a little more or the staples of that deck might not uh, slide into other decks, they may be more rewarding in the beginning. But one of the things I really liked, I think I, think, I want to say it was Phil Gallagher's point, was about how uh, having this mindset of like learning the format and knowing that like you're going to have to try to get good and you're not going to just like walk into this format and just crush people and be like, yep, I immediately was amazing at Legacy. I never won. I never lost any matches and uh, I played the best deck every time. For sure. One of the best things you can do for expanding, not even just Legacy, but formats in general, is get used to losing. Uh, I, I play a lot of different formats for my YouTube channel and every format I get into, I lose a whole lot before I start getting good. Uh, for example, I mean, this isn't a format, but I just started playing Living End in Modern and I love the deck. I think it's probably going to be my primary Modern deck moving forward. I joined the Living End Discord after to like share my video and see what they thought. I got destroyed in the comments by those people <laughs> uh they were just like bryant cook is so bad at magic and it's like i recorded it i'm not an expert like sometimes like you're learning with me as i learn how to yeah. play a deck and uh i mean losing is a natural part of magic like anyone that tells you that they don't lose a lot or haven't lost a lot is lying to you or they're uh, just not playing the, enough magic <laughs> yeah like <laughs> even know? the best lose like they yeah. tell you that like a 65 percent win rate on the pro tour is like within the best of all time. That means that the best of all time lose 35%. So we've got March. March of this machine is out. Um, have you picked any cards that you think they're like, are going to see play in the format? I've recorded one video so far with Urbrask in Ruby Storm. And I'll give you everyone here a spoiler. It's probably not going to be out for like another week and a half. So uh, you'll, you can watch it, but I just missed playing for a 5-0 on match five. Uh, Urbrask was really good. So a really cool thing about it, if you're unfamiliar with the card, it's two red, red for a four, four first strike. The card looks like it has flying, but it doesn't. It has first strike. Because like when I first picked it up, I was like, oh, this thing can block Delver. That's sweet. No, it, it, it can't block Delver. But uh, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you create a red mana and you get to ping target opponent for one damage. And then you can pay a red and flip it if you've played three instant or sorceries. The first mode deals three to the target player and all their creatures. Second chapter makes three treasures. And the third mode is actually passed in flames. And I was like, it'd be cool if I actually got to pass some flames in this video. And it happened twice. And I was like, this is so sweet. Yeah. But here's the thing I didn't know. It flips back over into Urbrask. So when it flips back over, you now have past and flames happening. And then all the spells you cast out of your graveyard just kill your opponent. It was And, so and you get to a point where like you can probably flip it again in that same turn if you really needed to. Oh, easily. Yeah. Easily. And then a card that I was actually more impressed with, and this is going to sound a little bit cheesy, but I think it was like a core of the deck that I might have found, is everyone knows the card Reckless Impulse. It's one in a red for a sorcery. You exile the top two cards from your deck, and you can play them until your next turn. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like a light up the stage. Well, they reprinted that card with just a different name. So now it's Ren's Resolve, and that's oh, from yeah. March of the Machines or March of the Machines Singular. Yes. And so now you can play eight of them. Yeah, I was like, okay, kind of, wow. Maybe you can outgrind your opponents now. And I played eight, and constantly I was just like drawing more cards than my uh, opponents on control. That's an interesting, you know, I, I, you, you look at Reckless Impulse and, and I think people have been like kind of experimenting with it in Blue Red Delver is like maybe we'll replace, uh, Expressive Iteration with this card. Just the fact that eight of them now can exist in a deck is just like, that's an amount of velocity that like I, I just don't think you see, you know, with, with a card, with a two mana spell. Uh, yeah. in the format so that that's that's worth looking at actually i find it really funny uh like so everyone post ban including myself was like oh delver's going to play predict it just makes sense with channeler and bobbles and all this stuff and you look at the delver lists that are doing well and they're not playing any of those two mana draw cards like no charter course none of that like shenanigans they're just like we'll play four bobbles we'll go back to playing some termoglyphs or maybe a couple copies of brazen borrower they're just not interested in these two mana cantrips yeah i think it's pretty interesting yeah, I mean, there was a there was a point in time where I think they were experimenting with like predict, uh, you know, and 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 spell dancer and stuff like that. And I think they just like went, that's too cute, and we're just gonna kill you fast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's just be spell dumb dancer, and do it right, you know. Yeah, spell dancer was one of those cards where we were like, this card is either the next dreadhorde arcanist or it's ledger shredder. And so far, it looks like it's ledger shredder. Yeah, it's wild that ledger shredder didn't see didn't see more play, but I guess again, like it just. It just that the velocity isn't there, like doing a little bit of extra like incremental work is just not as good as like throwing a four or five on the board and just attacking. Well, I think part of that is the bar for playable and legacy is so high. Zach, I'm going to share a hot take with you. And I talk a lot about this with CDH in CDH. There's really two different formats, actual CDH, which is competitive decks. And then there's people that think that their decks are competitive, but are really high power. I think that's also true for legacy. I think that in legacy, you have a tier one, a tier two. And then decks that people wish were competitive. And you might say the Epic Storm falls in Category 3. You're not going to hurt my feelings if you do. <laughs> a lot of people like bring their Nick Fit style decks. And they're just like, oh, this is my legacy deck. This is competitive. But ultimately, I don't know how true that actually is. But they've wrapped up their idea that this is what legacy is to them. And yeah, yeah. That's that. sort of their personality is, is through their deck. And, and they go with it that way. Exactly. I'm a hyper competitive person. So like... I've changed, like, if you look at the Epic Storm now from 2006 when I created it, it's just a drastically different deck. It's just, it happens to have Tendrils of Agony in it. It's always changing in that sort of stuff, but it's always remained somewhat competitive. Like, I could play it in a challenge tomorrow, or I guess today's technically Sunday. If I played today, I I believe that I could top eight the challenge. Am I going to top eight every week? No, but it's a reasonable thing. I don't think Nick Fit is top eighting any challenges is sort of my point here, and I don't know how competitive it really is. I mean, that's how I feel about, like, Infect. I feel like, in fact, right now is is one of those decks where it's like more about your personality as a player than it is about whether or not you're going to win a uh, a pro tour or you know a grand prix or, or whatnot. Uh, and and the same thing with like I play uh, Bug Shadow is like my my backup deck to eight cast right now. And like, sure, it's super cool and fun to berserk a Death Shadow over somebody's uh, Elvish Visionary after they bounce it into their hand. But like that's not tier one, uh, tier one legacy play at this point. I don't think. Yeah. Well, if you check the front of Goldfish, Death Shadow is the like eighth to tenth deck. However, no green, so yeah, you lose out on the spicy berserk, but yeah, you still get to uh, attack with a one mana ten ten. I I don't know. For me, for 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 my money, 
the the thrill I get off of casting Berserk on something that, and watching my opponent react to like the fact that he's now dead on board uh, versus like a couple of prize packs. I don't know, man. I feel, I feel like I'm doing it right. So that's another interesting thing about magic. Like I mentioned that I'm a super spiky person. There's something in this game for everyone. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that makes it really unique. So, for example, you really like Berserk. I mean, you have an impact background that makes sense. I like Storm Combo. But there's also people out there that are like, oh, I really like Transformers. And there's a Transformers set. Or, for example, my wife's dad, uh, his favorite thing of all time is Lord of the Rings. He bought the Lord of the Rings box. Like, zero interest in magic. But the fact that they're doing all these sort of crossovers that people get really upset about, they're not my card game. No Lord yeah. of the Rings here or whatever. I don't know. It's just like kind of silly when I think the idea is you want more people playing your game. You want magic to be a welcoming place, that sort of thing. Shout out to your uh, to your father-in-law, though. Uh, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan myself, so I'm super hype about that set. I don't know. I don't know about you, but like, man, more of that, please. Like, all I want is like, give me all of the all of the cool IPs I grew up with in, in this game. It just made makes so much sense. It's wild that like it took this long to get D and D into into Magic the Gathering. Honestly, like it's been what twenty years since this company has owned both properties. Yeah, that's true. So one thing I do think is a little confusing is like one of them is standard legal and one of them isn't they they just made it very messy for no reason uh, i was actually looking i recorded a video earlier today uh for popper mm -hmm. it's popper rakdos reanimator and there's a card in there that i missed initially called summon undead it's a five mana sorcery you can mill three and then return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield that card is actually just like the perfect card for that deck but i was like oh wow when did Baldur's gate come out and i looked and i'm like it feels like there's been a million sets since then but it's only like within the last six months yeah i, I mean and and who knew that we were going to get a Hugh Grant magic card? Like, you know, I, <laughs> that, I didn't have that on my bingo card at all uh, growing up. Like, I wasn't like, you know, you know what celebrity I think I, I think we're going to see in like 1995 on magic cards? Uh, Hugh Grant, obviously. Yeah. Love Actually. Uh, I'm still waiting for Danny DeVito, personally. Oh, uh, man. I think he'd be a great one. <laughs> As Trash Man. <laughs> exactly. You're in yeah. Philadelphia now, like I'm sure. Oh, yeah. it's an is always so any fan. Yeah, I grew so I grew up here, and uh, you know, right when I moved back, I I, I lived in New Brunswick uh, for for a while, and I moved back uh, to like kind of crash at my dad's and like figure out what I was going to do with my life before I moved up to Brooklyn. And um, it's always sunny. Had just started on FX uh, when I moved back down, and so that is like to me like that's a time and a place. My wife not being my, not being a Philadelphian. Didn't get it until we moved down here. And when we moved down here, she was like, I 100% understand it's always sunny in Philadelphia and like everything around it. Uh, but like she had no idea before. Uh, so since we're talking about it's always sunny, we're just going deep off the rails. Oh, here. yeah. So I watched Mythic Quest that has Rob McElhaney in it. It's essentially uh, Silicon Dynasty, except you're working at a video game company. And Rob McElhaney is like the lead creative director. He's in It's Always Sunny, if you're unfamiliar. Yeah, he's mad. And, uh, exactly. And I just loved it. So if you haven't watched Mythic Quest, and I know that Phil Blackman, one of his favorite episodes of television ever is in Mythic Quest. Uh, oh, when wow. he found out I was watching it, he was so excited. He's like, you just have to skip to episode five. I'm like, Phil, I'll get to episode five. Like, like we'll get there. I that that show I I like I like can watch it but uh it gives me a little bit of PS uh PTSD because that is my job. I am like five characters on that show in my in my real life. I would recommend it to anyone. Yeah, it's it's uh, a fun it's a really fun show. Yeah, and then there's Welcome to Wrexham, which is the actual Rob McElhaney in real life and him controlling a Welsh football team. 
Oh wow! Uh, definitely I, check yeah, that out. It's on. I've Hulu. not seen that. I'll have to check that out. Is that yeah. all? Is that also on Apple uh, Apple TV? No, it's on Hulu. Oh, okay, well, perfect. I can actually watch it. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. You know, you've been on you've been on Storm for forever. How did you decide that that was just going to be like what what your flavor of magic was like? What what drew you to Storm? Well, I had been playing for a bit before then, so I started Magic in about 2000, 2001. and back then it was called Type One Point Five. It was connected to the Vintage Band list, yep. and Legacy wasn't created until two thousand four. And 2004 happens. It was actually September 2004, if my memory serves me correctly. And Lion's Eye Diamond, Chrome Mox, Mox Diamond, a bunch of broken artifact mana came off the ban list. And for two years, people just could not figure out a storm deck. Like, yeah, Belcher existed. And back then, Belcher played like Birds of Paradise because like the the format just had didn't have as many powerful cards in it. So like you were two lands that were often like Bayou Taiga. And then, like, turn two Belcher was usually uh, what you did. People back then were like, do we run four diminishing returns? Like, there was no, like, real core to the deck. Like, people just didn't solve it. And I ended up uh, coming up with, like, a creature-based Storm deck that quickly figured itself out once Cold Snap released with Rite of Flame. Got a hold of Rite of Flame. Everything clicked after that. But I had played uh, Angel Control back then. That was, like, Exalted Angel, uh, Mana Dream, Sylvan Scrying. Uh, I played a bunch of control decks. Like I was mostly a blue player. In fact, I played a lot of uh, Rug Threshold that it yeah. was known as at the time with Werebears and Fire Ice and Flame Tongue Kavu and Nimble Mongoose, all the classics. What a what a wild time you could play Flame Tongue Kavu in in Legacy. It was so good. <laughs> it broke the mirror match because it would trade oh, yeah. with two Werebears, and you could also tap Werebear to help cast it. Uh, Werebear was the <laughs> man, and then unfortunately they printed Termagrave. So like. Being in Legacy as long as I have been, I've seen cards come and go. Like, I've seen the rise and fall of Werebear, uh, the rise and fall of Tarmogoyf, which was obviously a lot longer. Yeah. Uh, Young Pyromancer went from, like, being the best creature ever to pretty much unplayable. I think it's kind of silly now that, like, people have decided that, like, the 2019 era cards would have ruined Legacy. Because I look back and I'm like, Power Creep has existed this entire time. Yeah. It just happened at a slower rate. So when you're upset that you can't play your favorite cantrip or discard spell or whatever, all those cards are always going to slowly leave the format or whatever. And I think that it's just a little bit silly that people have taken the stand that like it's only cards from the last handful of years. It's like you might have gotten into Legacy right before those. So you have a, a sweet spot for those cards. I've experienced it most of my life at this point. And I think also the rise and fall of the SCG tour had a lot to do with it because people would tune in every Sunday and watch Stoneblade with Trinity Nemesis versus uh, Deathrite Shaman, Charlotte's Agent. Once those cards become less viable, they attach their identity or their uh, the format's identity to that era when I remember before that. And um, someone that's always trying to figure out what's the future as well. Uh, so I think just like these time capsule moments you got to move past the girl you're never going to grow. Yeah, I think as a as a player that's been in been with the format for that for that long, like I I started playing in 95 and sort of I remember 1.5 like playing Zoo, playing uh Gorilla Shaman, Savannah Lion, Matenda Lion, like beat those decks in in vintage. I took I took a hiatus from about when you started 2001 to 2012. So I, when I got in in like 2014, whenever they reprinted the uh, Fetchlands is when I I sort of really got into Legacy. I was kind of ready for anything. Like, you know, like at this point, I'd been playing Modern and Standard for a while, and I wanted to see something new. So I picked up 
Uh, I think I started with with Merfolk and, and moved into Rug Delver. But every time uh, a new set came out, I was ready for the format to change, and I wanted to see. Uh, I wanted to see cards like change the format. I, I was totally happy to see uh, something new come out that would like crush the format and just like change how every deck is built somewhat. Like that, you know, like mm-hmm. oh, this deck's now invalid because this this card exists. But like, I think it's a really healthy way to to look at the format is that like yeah change is going to happen and it's going to uh it's going to mess with decks a little bit but like for the most part like this format is is pretty much set like not set in stone per se but like it's it's it doesn't change much i i know there's a word there i'm looking for but like basically like it's a stalwart format like you can pop back in like in in five years and like for the most part your deck is still going to be pretty good so i think that's like not is true as it used to be. And I think star city used to advertise that as a core feature of legacy. They're like, Oh, you buy your deck and it will be good forever. And they became a marketing ploy because yeah. star city had all these dual lands and what better way <laughs> than to sell your product than tell people that they could use these cards forever. And people really bought into that. And I think that like, so for example, uh, Sam Rukas, we both love Sam Rukas. Phil yeah. uh, is a good friend with Sam Rukas. 2018 Miracles with Portent and Predict and Terminus. Where's that deck now in the year 2023? Uh, Phil Phil Blackman plays it. That's it. It's just Phil. So, I mean, I thought of this earlier today when you asked me to be on, but uh, I mean, Phil plays Thwart. How are we not going to talk about Thwart when Phil isn't here? But yeah, Miracles just like isn't that viable anymore, right? That was five years ago. Uh, Sam Rukas just missed the GP top eight. I think Sam started out 11-0 and then went 1-3 the last four rounds and just missed it. Sorry, Sam, not a dig at you. I love you, buddy. But like uh, Miracles was like a premier deck in the format and then just like fallen by the wayside. It might actually come back with Triumph of the St. Catherine. That card is very, very good. And I can't wait for it to be on Magic Online. One of these Thanks days. come and go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm also waiting for uh, Guacamole Goblin and Paradise Lost. And there's so many cool cards in some of these sets that just haven't been added yet. And it's really frustrating. Yeah. Uh, out of the new set, March of the Machine Commander. So MOC, there's Path of the Pyromancer, which is like a reforge the soul that you discard all the cards in your hand for each card discarded. You make a red mana and draw card. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember looking at that and um, yeah, Mike, Mike Banny from Eminence. Uh, a, a consummate like storm player. One, I, I, I consider him one of your devotees. Not a giant fan of of that in the casual uh, EDH game, but like, man, he does love to play that stuff. And we immediately were like, Mike, look at this card. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So Path of the Pyromancer, and then there's Dance of Calamity, which is like a red ad nauseum. So like, that's another card that came up. But like, those cards probably aren't going to hit Magic Online for another year. So like, uh, I received a donation deck for the Epic Storm YouTube channel, and the card was released over two years ago in a like supplemental commander set to a regular set and it's still not on magic online oh. so it takes a while Sometimes yeah it's, fru- it's frustrating but like match. knowing that like you know the, the the that team is doing such a good job of of like put you know like cr- creating the these rule systems for a, a uh you know a program that like I think with without that team, that program would kind of be defunct at this point because I, I don't think that that Watsi uh, was as interested in keeping it up when they started doing Arena as they are now, where they're like, yeah, that's still very much a part of of the core like Magic the Gathering products that we offer. So one thing that I thought a lot about is when they do eventually get the Unfinity cards on a Magic Online, if it's just correct to always be 
someone who goes, okay, beginning of the game, I will reveal my 10 sticker sheets and my 12 attractions or whatever the numbers are. <laughs> like, I, I just wonder, like, is that what you're supposed to be doing? So that way you're not telling someone I am not playing Interstellar Pup or Guacamole Goblin or whatever. And I'm so still very torn on like whether or not it's like Joe Cards or a thing that I like, I like in, in my particular game of Magic the Gathering, but I think like the cat's out of the bag at this point with, with that stuff. And it's just kind of something you have to accept as a player. I think that Interstellar Pup could be playable. Guacamole Goblin is definitely going to see some fringe play. Uh, its real name is like five different underscores Goblin. Yeah. Uh, if you're unfamiliar. But like those cards are both like pretty viable. Paradise Lost could be a legitimate card. I don't know why yeah. that needed to be in an unset. Yeah, uh, that th- th- there are a couple of those cards. Like even the the like I, I get like because of the flavor of of uh what is it comet interstellar pup that that card needed to be in that onset but like minus the like randomness that of the dice rolling and stuff the, most of what it's doing is is not like jokey mm-hmm. per se also uh there's like crow storm i want that card to exist uh, <laughs> i want to see if that card like Full has mean. what it takes to cut it yeah exactly uh, like if the, why couldn't they retroactively go make that a real magic card? I don't know. Or yeah. like reprint it. Yeah. I mean, we'll ne- we'll never know for now. I mean, I I would have played Night of the Hokey Pokey in standard uh, at the time that it came out back. There was I don't know how uh, if you you weren't playing uh, when the original Unglued came out. But uh, there was this thing called Arena that you had to like that you did at your local, which was basically like you had to play. It's how you got your lands. Yeah, exactly. You, you you basically play in this like kind of league system at your local and you'd report back to your uh to your TO and you can just play as many matches as you want as long as you didn't play the same person the next round. So if you had three people, you could just keep like switching off and playing with each other. One season, uh they were like, "Okay, like you have to have 15 unglued cards in your deck." And uh, I went white weenie with uh, Night of the Hokey Pokey and like a bunch of other like, I think I played the uh, dice rolling card that like allows you to like uh, plus X plus X one of your creatures. Uh, But yeah, we just like, it was really fun and a little little silly, but like, uh, I had a blast as like a 15 year old, like 16, 17 year old playing, playing with uh, like joke magic cards then. It just, it, it became such a, like the game got for me got so much more serious in the years to come that it felt weird seeing like any of that, any of that joke stuff. And and they took so long to like put out more stuff like that. And now it seems like it's coming, uh, coming a lot faster. So one of my favorite, I know I'm changing the subject a no, little please. bit here, but uh, right after legacy became legacy and it separated from vintage and its reserve list, there were these events and our locals were always like 20 to 30 people here in Syracuse, New York. And at the time I was young, like I was born in 89. So I was probably like 15, 16 at the time. But uh, so we would have 20 to 30 people for our locals. Well, every third Sunday of the month and our locals were always on a Sunday, which you don't see anymore, by the way, because like we had sorcerer uh, Sundays, too. Yeah. Like <laughs> events on the weekends, like pretty much died when large events became a thing. But yeah. back to my original point. So uh, we'd have these team events where you and your teammate would sit kitty corner. So like I would be in seat two, my teammate would be in seat. Oh, how would that actually work? Seat four. Uh, so like you would always be diagonal from yeah. uh, your teammate and you would just like, it wasn't two at a giant, you, like each person had 20 luck and you often wanted to play strategies that synergize. So for example, uh, Zach, let's say you and Nate were both on goblins and your, uh, your goblin Lord would give each other's goblins yeah. plus one, plus one. But let's say Phil Blackman and I were, we were both on solidarity. And if Phil cast solidarity, 
on somebody else's turn, it would work for me so that way we could work together. And it was this really cool format. And I played a bunch of that. And it was a real like legacy format. It was just legacy teams. And back then you could check it on the, your DCI page. It would come up like team oh, constructed yeah. legacies. And uh, I know that there was like a town in Brazil that often did it because we were always trying to see if we could get ranked above the teams in Brazil. <laughs> um, but like, I've always wondered like why that format died out because it was so cool. Like it was like some of the most fun magic I've ever had. Yeah. You know, uh, when SCG used to do their team events where they'd be like uh, standard modern legacy, like each player has to have a deck and then you, you, two out, you best two out of three with, with those. Those events were always so fun for me and kind of great because you could, you could introduce your friends uh, that didn't play legacy into into like watching like how you were playing and they cared too you know like they were mm-hmm. watching you know if you were the last one in they ca- they were like watching your plays and trying to like help you make decisions and whatnot and to me that was it was fun for a couple reasons one because at these big events often like we see each other at big events all the time and what happens like i i wander past you two or three times and you're like hey how you doing you know how you doing and 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 then like that's kind of it for your friends like you just like see them in passing but knowing that you've got two people with you all day long that you can kind of like bullshit with and and sort of rely on uh to to like just hang out with and like grab food with and stuff that was super that was just such a great experience for me and i think that they should bring bring stuff like that back cuz team events where you're like with two other people all day long or, or even if it's just one other person all day long like i just really liked being knowing that like i could show up with guys that i grew up with and I'd be with them all day. I didn't have to like split split time and like be like, "Hey, how you doing?" Later on, like you know, I, I, you got like real quality time with your friends that way. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm gonna throw them under the bus here. Played in a team event in Philly, and I ran into Nate. And Nate goes, "Brian, I just had a conversation with you." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, Nate, did you?" He's like, "Yeah, I saw this white guy with glasses and parted hair, and I could have swore it was you." He's like, "I talked to him like ten minutes about Storm." And the guy just like went along with it. He's like, oh yeah, that sounds like a really good line. And like, he's like, this entire time, the guy just pretended to be you. And I'm like, that's what any like smart person would do. And he's like, it was like 10 minutes in, I realized he wasn't Brian Cook. And he's like, wait, I don't know you. And just like walked away from the stranger. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) uh, So if you're, why you have glasses and you part your hair you're brian cook I, yeah I, I got uh one of the very first tournaments i came back uh some guy walked up to me thought i was chris pakula and i was like i don't even really i, I mean i had i shaved i had you know no no beard at the time i'm definitely not that guy he walked up to me he's like yo you're meddling mage and i was like i am i'm not in my like very early magic years chris pakula top did the first legacy gp which once again in philadelphia and chris was playing dead guy and that deck was just like designed to be goblins which was like the format boogeyman at the time and i remember when goblins came out i was playing land still uh you would play like eternal dragon and decree of justice mistress factory and sand Sills and stuff yeah and i just got absolutely destroyed by wasteland you wasteland you port your land i'm like i can never get to wrath of god mana like this is just like impossible meanwhile they opened on goblin wacky that deck was just like so good and i think there's a lot of people that hang on to how good that deck was in 2005, six today. Uh, even Muxus, which is like the best uh, like siege gang, siege yeah. commander of all time. I, I, I wanted to see sling gang lieutenant. I'm like, that's not correct. Or like sling gang lieutenant. There's so many weird goblins nowadays, but it was an era. That's for sure. It's wild to me that like uh, when, so when Goblin Lackey came out or Urza Saga, 
I think the best thing you could be doing was like slamming a uh, Goblin Mutant down <laughs> for like yeah. t- on turn two. You were like, oh, Goblin Mutant, I guess. Like uh, there wasn't there wasn't like a, a big value uh, machine to the, to the whole Goblins thing. You were just like another Goblin. I'll throw that one down. Uh, maybe you maybe you get a Lord down for 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 free instead of paying three mana for it. But like it's wild how how different uh, uh, Goblins is now than it was. Uh, you know, back when like it, it was almost like part of the sly sly deck initially, and then that just like went in a completely different direction. Yeah, well, I think cards like Gobblemaki create future restrictions. And if you think about like the survival of the fittest band, they're like, yeah, it really limited us from printing larger creatures or graveyard creatures due to survival existing, and we didn't want to have to worry about that in the future. I feel yeah. like goblins. It, like the people working at Wizards are always like, well, if we print this, how's it going to interact with Goblin Lackey? Uh, yeah. So it's like this like weight on the entire Goblin archetype. Uh, and it's just like interesting to think about. Also, another hot take for you, Zach. Unbanned survival. It'd be fine. People I mean, we're are always like, saying that. <laughs> like people are like, but what about turn two Gristlebrand? Have you never played a Legacy League where turn one Gristlebrand is the regular? Like you think yeah. somehow adding basic force is going to make that deck any worse? It already exists. Like there's no reason that survival... Like other than like reserve list, costs. yeah. I think the reserve. But, uh, I think the reserve list is the only legitimate argument. Like that card, uh, if it were unbanned, it would just be. It would still be impossible for people for a lot of people to play. I think that's the only legitimate uh, argument to keep that on the ban list. And they're like, but what about like turn three, four Venturines attacking you? Yeah. Okay. Sure. Have you ever had a, an opponent go turn two Show and Tell Omniscience? Like, yeah. Or. T- Turn two, uh, turn one dark ritual doomsday. Turn two uncounterable thosses or like there's so many things in legacy that people are, have decided that this two mana green enchantment that takes a green for each activation too troublesome. Like I don't know. I just think that people need to expand their thinking a little bit. Like needle didn't even exist when that card was. Yeah, I, I have a I have a question for you uh, that is that is related to that actually. And uh, you're the you're the exact person I I should have asked this uh, a long time ago. Every year we have our, like, what should we unban episode. And, of course, I'm always on team unban ne- Necropotence. But legitimately, how do you feel about if if, un- if Necropotence wasn't banned? Would that be a card that, like, Storm would even play? Storm, no. Doomsday, yes. Like, yeah. you could try to build a, a Necro Storm deck, but it would just be worse than Doomsday. Uh, like, I think that Necropotence is easily way too good for Legacy. Uh, like it's not even close. Like I think it would actually just create like a very miserable format. But I do think a card that should be unbanned, and I'm not even sure if I would play it at this point. If I'm being completely honest, is minus desire. Like, but people are like, but you could desire into desire or desire into sins of the past, and it's like, like eh. so you're putting sins of the past into your deck. Yeah. That's <laughs> your bar for like something yeah. that's good to do. Or there's technically like Mizzix Mastery now, but that's still a four mana sorcery that does nothing until you've already resolved your. Uh, your mind's desire and with the fast mana that exists in legacy so you have like lotus petal and you like chromox is for blue so you have to put up on a hand with like dark ritual dark ritual or like dark ritual right of flame and then like people are like but what about mana morphos but now you're putting the, uh, another yeah, unplayable just, card a whole deck. deck full of bad cards <laughs> exactly and uh, one of the strengths of mind's desire in my opinion is that it's uncounterable because it has storm well when you want to play this deck that goes Dark Ritual, Dark Ritual, Lotus Petal, Chrome Mox, Mindsets, or whatever, you've introduced so many points in that sequence that a Force of Will would just crush you. I mean, that's uh, how you beat so, uh, that's how you beat Char Belchers. Like you just like decide when you need to counter whatever ritual they're doing, and then you're like, okay, we'll just do that then. Exactly. Yeah. So 
I don't think Desire is actually good. And here's a true statement. In Legacy, I think Galvanic Relay is actually just the better card. Like it works with your fast mana. It's easier to cast. It plays through days a lot easier. You don't have to make blue blue. Yes, you have to wait a turn. I, I often call it Red Necro because it's like a hybrid between Necropotence and Mind's Desire. Yeah. Um, but Galvanic Relay is my favorite card at the moment. Like I love Relay so much. I'm a little bummed I didn't play it more before it was banned in Popper. But it's one of those like, cards that like it looks like at first glance you're like it's not good enough. Uh, and I think that people people initially wrote it off because you know waiting a turn is just a thing that like when you've already proved that you can like beat your opponent, showing them that like they have one more turn is like not not often ideal. And I think people just wrote it off because they were like, well, if I give my opponent an entire turn to prepare, uh, then what happens, you know? So at the time, we were still using a Facebook chat. But when the card was spoiled, I sent it to the Storm Facebook group. And everyone's just like, cards unplayable. And I was like, I don't know. I think that there could be something here. I want to test it. Everyone's like, LOL, bad card. Uh, And I like, sometimes I like look at the screenshots I took of that conversation. I'll send it to those people. Be like, hey, remember when you thought (laughs) Gavin Aguilar was unplayable? it's just so so powerful and especially in a format like legacy where blue is often the best thing you can be doing and it just punishes all those blue decks like very very well so um it's gotten to the point where like the best matchups for tes and that would be the epic storm are fair blue like i want to get paired against control decks and delver like what i want to avoid are decks like cephalid breakfast and doomsday that are decks with eight force of wills that kill you one turn two like i i'm never winning those matchups but uh Give me control decks, Delver, all that stuff. Yeah, stuff stuff that like doesn't. It seems like to me that stuff that like can't, like wins like through through tempo and attrition against against Storm just doesn't cut it nowadays. Like uh, Del- Delver's nice and all, and putting that clock on the board is is ideal. Decks that can do that can put a clock on the board and then win the next turn and still disrupt you seem like just the better option if if you you know if you get to choose what you're playing against storm with so uh i think i think that's th- that's about all the time we have this this week brian um but i want to i want to thank you again for uh coming on the cast uh especially especially last minute like this i i really appreciate it um it's it's really good to get a chance to hang out with you so thanks for having me i do appreciate it but don't make it seem like this is a temporary like <laughs> we talked about like i'm replacing phil blockman yeah. i will see you next week yeah yeah i'll see you next week uh everybody thanks for watching <laughs> don't forget to like and subscribe and and uh yeah uh comment comment get in the comments down below and tell and tell phil this is it i'm sorry guys Good riddance, Phil Blackman. <laughs> Later on, Phil. What it do, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> You've been thwarted. Yeah. Thanks so much, man. See you, everyone. Thanks for watching. Give me a goddamn hell yeah. It's Force of Philip on the track, and we got a special treat today featuring on the track with me is my man, me the captain. Me the captain, what it do? So you see, we've been getting done dirty by Rite of Flame as of late, so we figured it's time we done did it dirty back. Let's go. When we light up the stage, it's Rite of Flame you be casting. We were dumb and naive to think the worst that could happen was a couple sloppy goblins bombarding the red zone like hard and after we guzzled the dozen donuts, cardiac problem. How's a diet dog ritual gonna help you cash in? If Jeepers taught us one thing, this ain't Weight Watchers the Gathering. Fully flavored, fully loaded, sauce it up, get messy. Slather up the graveyard, make it sweet, stick it zesty. Gluttony the game, Rite of Flame plays for keeps. Watsy be on fire with their band hammer streak. 
Adding right of flame to the pyre is nonsense, but this is right of fire design. So banning good conscience, cast one, double love, hat trick, flexing quad, single mana, seething songs like my angels, bless the top. Right of flame's dominant regardless of meta. The way culture wars the GOP's agenda. They don't apologize for not paying taxes. It doubles down and repeals the ban alliance and practice. Always lucky, never punished. That's what stone pilots do. Mile High Club is screwing you too. Petals with right of flame is blasphemous. The game shouldn't be environmentally hazardous. The carpet of flowers already fill in the holes, except not if the islands are plains or mountains. Unless they're dyslexic This ain't 2012, it's 2021 and it's hectic Every card's got 10 yards of text like the scripture Right of flame paints the game's image big picture While we quarantine in the midst of pandemic It's tough to send pizza or post signs at your entrance You could be our heroes by boosting morale Band right of flame like wishing for a card in exile. Oh no. Oh, don't oh, don't do that actually, because you'll get DQ. But you could stop global warming and save these fucking dolphins if you just ban right of flame. Ban right of flame, save the dolphins. Hashtag ban right of flame. Hashtag save the dolphins. Let's go.